What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because there are silver linings everywhere. For today's guest, inspiration struck not from inside her head, but right on top of it. In 2018, Katie Emery started her blog and online business, katiegoesplatinum.com, which is all about helping women make a joyful transition from dyed hair to natural gray hair, or silver hair, I learned, is the preferred term. Now, here's a niche I never would have considered, yet going gray is something hopefully we all live long enough to face, that is, unless you're like me and lose it long before it has the chance. I've actually got some salt and pepper action going on in the beard these days. But in any case, Katie has grown this thing to an average of six grand a month in revenue, all in just the last couple years, and all on the side from her day job. Stick around in this one to learn how she creates content, what drives traffic, and how Katie Goes Platinum makes money today to see what you can apply in your own business. Notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary of our conversation, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Katie after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I needed to come up with a way to make some extra money. My husband had gotten laid off. We had just a pile of bills and, you know, I work full time and my job pays well, but you know, California, it's so expensive here. So I got the idea for even just starting a blog from the book, um, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Are you familiar with that book? I see it pop up in like the Amazon suggestions all the time. Yeah. You know, some people find that it's not a traditional money book and they don't like that. But for me, it was all about changing your mindset and just being open to trying new things. And so I came up with a couple of blog ideas, but you know, for a blog, you have to be interested in what you're writing about. And I found quickly the first two ideas I came up with, I just couldn't sustain for more than a couple posts. So I nixed both of those ideas pretty quickly. And after a little while of just kind of spinning my wheels, I started to let my hair go gray. After about 25 years of dying, I decided I'd had enough and went on Instagram, met some ladies there and looked online, but I was having a little trouble finding answers to some of my questions. And so I thought, well, I'll just do this myself and create a place where other women can find the answers that they're not finding. Especially my blog's all about going gray joyfully and not being so scared or freaked out by the concept. And I think that was what my big impetus was, is I didn't want to, like, or a lot of the information I was finding online was kind of negative about like people who were terrified of going gray or worried about the impact. And I wanted to acknowledge all that, but say it's also fun. It can be a fun experience. So that's how it all got started. That's interesting. So the existing content was either related to products on uh, how to prevent this from happening or how to cover it up or talking about how traumatizing it might be. And you're saying, well, why don't I take the opposite approach? Like this is natural. Let's see if we can do this with the smile on our face. Yes. And I was inspired by a blog, How Bourgeois by Lauren Stein, who's become a friend of mine. And she was really the only other blog I found that was happy you know, about it. And she ended up starting a line of gray hair care products and she uh, stopped blogging as much. So I was kind of happy to pick up where she'd left off. Okay. So after deciding to go in on this niche, tell me about your first steps in getting this thing off the ground. The first thing was I'm, I'm a fairly technically savvy person, but I found WordPress confusing. And everybody, all, the little research I did online said that you need a WordPress.org site if you're going to make money eventually. So I hired a WordPress tutor and we would meet in these little cafes and 
Los Angeles, and he he taught me basically the basics of getting set up. I learned pretty quickly that there are going to be people I had to pay to help me do things that I didn't know yet because I didn't want to take a whole lot of time trying to figure this out. You know, so I hired a WordPress tutor. I paid a person to get my theme going because the theme I bought for like fifty nine dollars didn't look exactly like I wanted, so I had you know somebody set that up. And it was a little scary because at the time we were very tight on money. And so spending any money seemed a little terrifying, but I I kept thinking, I think this could eventually make money. And so it was worth it to me to to put some money into it. Yeah. That's one of the frustrations with WordPress is it's an unbelievably powerful website building tool. Like I'm a fanboy, but at the same time, you know, I've been in it almost every day for 10 plus years. And so it's like, yeah, that's how you do this. And you can navigate the menus and stuff. If you're coming in cold, it's like learning a foreign language. And to the point about the theme, I was in the same boat uh, building a site. It's like, hey, this is a perfect looking theme. Hit install. You're like, well, why doesn't it look like the demo version? What's going on here? And it's just uh, another source of frustration. But yes, a huge ecosystem of people willing and able to help out with that stuff. Do you remember a first post or a first piece of content that went live after uh, getting all the technical stuff sorted? One of my first posts was all about my friend Kim. And she's a lady I've known for about 10 or 15 years now. And she is the one who first introduced me to this whole gray hair community that exists on Facebook and Instagram. And which I have to say, I don't think I could have gone gray from dyed brunette hair as easily as I did without having this supportive community, because it's kind of daunting, especially in your 50s, to show the world that you've got gray hair. Maybe you're a little older. You know, there's a big stigma against gray hair in our country. So Kim uh, introduced me to this whole community and she had a lot of really positive things to say about going gray. So I did a post all about her transition from dark hair to gray hair. And it took off like a shot. It was very popular pretty much from the get-go. And that kind of propelled my blog faster than I think I was expecting and ready for. Popular within these communities uh, on social media? Yeah, on social media, I belong to some uh, gray hair Facebook groups, which there's actually a lot of them. Some of them let you share links, not very many. So I shared that story in there and I started a Facebook page and an Instagram account and shared them in there. But the biggest driver was Pinterest, which I found out pretty quickly when you first get started. As you know, Google doesn't always find you right away. But Pinterest is a search engine too. And especially a few years ago when I first started, it was a powerful way to drive traffic to your site. So I can't remember how many paid views it was, but it was enough that that one post got me enough traffic that in three months I was accepted to the ad company Mediavine, which takes a lot of... Uh, from from one post? Yeah. That one post drove almost all my traffic for the first few months. Wow. Do you think it, it was a factor that it was somebody else's story you're sharing? It wasn't deemed as self-promotion in these groups because it was like, well, it's not my story. It's, you know, I wanted to share this other person's story. Yeah, I think it was. And it was also, uh, luckily for me, um, Kim is photogenic and she was enthusiastic. You know, we did this interview and she wrote a lot of it herself and it, was, it wasn't really a, an official guest post, but she did a lot of it. I shaped it, put her photos in there. And it, it just hit a nerve with people, especially because uh, she works in the entertainment industry and I live in Los Angeles. So this city of Los Angeles, as you know, is very looks based. And uh, to be a woman showing off her gray hair is still unusual here. And so I think people were just blown away that she was not only doing that, but both of us were enthusiastic about it. Okay. Interesting. I'm going gray in your fifties. Uh, it's like, shoot, I'm 
going bald in my 20s. So I, I don't know if there's a, maybe there's a parallel uh, side hustle here for me. So what's next? So I'm looking at some of the content on katiegoesplatinum.com right now. I see some of these transition stories similar to Kim's. I see kind of techniques in um, how to make this transition. I see some product reviews. What's the content mix look like today? It's pretty much like you said, it's the transition stories because women often find that, especially when I was going gray, which took me about two and a half years, I just finished recently. But when I say growing gray, I mean growing out your hair dye. But women like reading those stories because they follow a similar path the way most of us felt. So it's like you, you find somebody you can relate to. They're sharing you know, how they went gray, what products they used, all that kind of information that somebody thinking about going gray would find helpful. Then I also shared my own story on there from my own perspective. I just thought that would be helpful. It was also a way for me to kind of keep track of how I'd done it. The product reviews, I need to do more of those. I've had readers tell me they want more. Uh, The problem is since I'm testing the products on myself, because I don't really like to share a review of a product I haven't tested. So there's only so much uh, shampoo that you can test, for example. So maybe I need to find some people to test products with me because that's something I need to do more of. The other thing I have on there is a resource page, and I've had other bloggers tell me I shouldn't be linking out to other bloggers on that page or other YouTubers because I I don't want to drive traffic away from my site. But I feel like in our community, I want to share the love. And if I find somebody inspiring and I think somebody else will, I want people to know about that. Okay. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So not only are you 
active in this niche and making money in this niche, but there are other people in this niche. I had no idea this existed. This is such a cool thing to discover. Well, good, good for you for sharing the love as you were on this resources page. Yes. Linking out to several other blogs and, and channels in the same space or in the same vein. I'm sure there are other niches like this, but there's a big community around this niche and of gray hair. And so I want a person who's new to going gray to come to my site and be able to find like all the info they need. I really want to bulk up my resource page this year. It's something I, I mean to do, but at least for now, there's a few things on there. There's also a um, gray hair salon directory because as a lot of women know, when you're going gray, sometimes the biggest critics are your hairdressers, unfortunately. It's not fun to go into a salon and pay somebody to cut your hair and be made to feel terrible about the color. So I wanted to not only help women find hairdressers who would make them feel good about their hair, but I also wanted to help salons get more business if they are being positive. Oh, okay. And that's supposed to be eventually a money-making resource, but of course, with the pandemic and salons hurting so much, I, don't, I wouldn't feel right charging for that right now, so I'm not doing that. That's a cool add-on service. And yes, down the road when uh, when people are hopefully going to salons again, that could be a, a good revenue stream as well. Do you have a sense of how often you're publishing new content here? Well, for the first year, I was frantically creating content all the time because I was trying to drive more traffic to the site. And I was doing almost all of my promotion on Pinterest because that was still the number one place I was getting traffic. I have to tell you, I... At the beginning of 2020, I had a crazy thing happened, which actually two very negative things happened in the world that actually helped my site, which is weird to be on the receiving end of that. But there was a lot of chatter in the news about cancer and hair dye. And so suddenly my organic traffic just it like quadrupled. You know, I was really doing well that way. And also with the pandemic, a lot of women stopped dyeing their hair because they're stuck at home for you know, however long and nobody's going to see them. So my traffic like skyrocketed so much that instead of actually working on a lot of new posts, I was going back and fixing the SEO on some of the older posts. So now I have to say I've only been posting maybe once a month, but my income hasn't gone down, which is nice. Okay. It's a, you've got this catalog, you've got this back archive of content that is still relevant and can still be promoted and discovered. Talk to me about Pinterest for a minute. So I'm on Pinterest.com slash Katie Ghost Platinum. I see 2.3 million monthly viewers over here. Talk to me about the Pinterest strategy. Whenever I write an article now, I do about five to 10 unique pins, you know, meaning a different image and different text on the pin. And I use Tailwind to scatter those to these different boards that are all keyworded. Carly Campbell was my inspiration. I took her course called Pinteresting Strategies. And I belong to her Facebook group, uh, Blogging Like We Mean It. And she goes much more into depth with her Pinterest than I do, but I take the basic ideas that she taught me. So I scatter these pins to different boards and I try to really keyword them so that people searching on Pinterest can find them. And the main thing I learned is to use eye-catching photos with lots of color. And I was doing the pins myself for a long time, but about three months ago, I hired a pin designer to design them for me because, to be honest, I didn't really enjoy making the pins. And that has been wonderful. But to be honest, my Pinterest traffic, like a lot of people's, has been going down lately. So I stopped hiring the pin designer and I'm going to go back to doing it myself just because for the ROI, it's not as good for me as it was for a while. But Pinterest is um, changing a lot since it went public and it's still a great source of traffic, but it's not as strong for me as it was two years ago. 
Okay, let me try and uh, dissect this a little bit. So five to 10 unique pin images per post, all with just kind of like variations on the title and the image, trying to cast a wide net, right? Depending on what people type in or how they discover it, these all funnel back to the same piece of content, scheduling them out using Tailwind as the scheduling software to different boards. The different boards are all on your account or these are group boards. How does that work? Um, I pretty much only do them on my account and maybe I belong to one or two group boards. So like, for example, with gray hair, one thing that's kind of a problem on Pinterest and other places is in America, we spell it gray, G-R-A-Y, but the rest of the world pretty much spells it gray, G-R-E-Y. And in the gray hair community, the word silver is preferred to gray. So what I had to do was create boards. Some of them are boards that maybe are titled, for example, growing out gray hair transition. And the other one would be with one would be with an A, one would be with an E, and I'd actually have growing out silver hair transition. So that's kind of nice for me though, in a way, because since Pinterest doesn't really like you repeating pins too much to the same board. So I've got three different boards. I can put all of those through. Do you see what I mean? I'm on the account now, so I can kind of see that. So there's growing out gray hair, silver hair transition, gray hair influencers, gray hair inspiration, and then the G-R-E-Y variations of, of all of those. That's probably similar to a lot of niches. Like people could call it a side hustle. They could call it a side gig, a side job, a side business. There's lots of different variations to describe what we do probably in a lot of different spaces. So that gives you the excuse to continue to promote this content, but not just continue to blast the same exact board over and over again. And then the other question I had was related to the keywords on the pin data itself. So how does that work? This is pulling from the blog title. This is something that you can input manually through through Tailwind. So when I've finished my post, I have this plugin called Grow, which is a social media share plugin that's created by Mediavine. And like on the bottom of my post on the back end in WordPress, I can create a Pinterest title, which is important uh, for Pinterest. So I always make sure that's keyworded. So if I have a post about long gray hair, my Pinterest title will say, for example, long gray hairstyles. I also fill out the Pinterest description in Grow. And then what's nice about that is when I share these pins on Pinterest from my site, and whether I do it through Tailwind or directly on Pinterest, it pulls that information from the Grow plugin. So everything is the way I want it to be. And if I want to, once I put them in Tailwind, I can change the keywords up a little or change the titles up a little on the different variations. And you're not embedding all five or 10 of these images into the post. There's one, uh, call it the master pin for, for each post. Yeah, I started doing this new thing that Tracy Phobes, who's my blogging coach, taught me about. And that is, I put the one main pin in my post, but it's a non-pinnable image because I don't want a heavy, large pin to slow down the speed of my post. So I reduce it in size. I put it in my post somewhere. And with using the Grow plugin, I can have hidden Pinterest images. I actually do put five or 10 right into my post. And when the reader clicks on that non pinnable image, they get these 10 images show up and they can choose to pin any of those, which is great because they're not slowing down the blog post because they're on the back end. Oh, that's pretty fancy. Okay. I'm not, like I said, a very analytical person, so I haven't really tested all of this, but I, I kind of throw it out there and see what works. But sometimes I put the five or 10 images as hidden images in Grow and pin directly from my site to Tailwind. And other times I'll pin directly to Pinterest. Just I'm kind of always experimenting to see what works best. I haven't really found 
that any solution works better than the other. Um, some people are getting rid of Tailwind because they feel like they have better luck manually pinning, but I have had a great experience with Tailwind and I honestly don't think I could do manual pinning. It's very time consuming. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. For the volume of pins that you're putting out there to do each one individually, you'd have no time to do anything else. No, it's too much. Is the Pinterest title and maybe the Pinterest description that you're creating different from, say, the blog post title that's in WordPress or in Yoast for SEO purposes and the meta description? I usually do keyword research in Pinterest as well as Google. And sometimes Pinterest is promoting different keywords than Google is. You know, people are looking for things maybe differently on Pinterest. So if I find that there's something that's more popular in Pinterest, I'll definitely change the Pinterest title and grow so that I can get more traction on Pinterest. Is there a Pinterest keyword research tool that exists like an Ahrefs or something like that? You know what? I actually just do it all in Pinterest itself. I go to the search bar on Pinterest as if I'm a, a reader and I'll just type in my keyword. And then usually underneath that, Pinterest will give suggestions and those suggestions kind of tell me what people are looking for. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Anything else on the Pinterest front? One thing I find interesting is I was told when I first started pinning that people don't like pins with faces on them as much, that they prefer non-human representation. So I guess, uh, let, let's say- I heard that too. Yeah, I heard that too. But for my niche, they want the picture. You know, I tried sometimes to just have text and that didn't work. These women searching Pinterest for gray hair or skincare or these other things that are related to the human body, they, they definitely want the picture. So uh, one of the pins I did f for Kim, that Kim article I told you about, I can't even remember how many clicks it's sent to my site now, but it's in the tens of thousands, you know, and it's definitely got her face on it. And what's funny about Pinterest is sometimes you can make a lot of time to create the most beautiful pin that you've ever seen. It's like something out of Mad Men or something, you know, it's like an advertiser's dream. But the one that sends the most traffic to my post might be the ugliest pin that you've ever seen, you know? So <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess some of it must depend on more on the keywording or just hitting a nerve with your title than it does about the picture sometimes. Have you noticed that yourself? Pinterest is like this enigma for me. We keep trying to crack it and I don't know, I don't know what the secret sauce is, but yeah, I do see a mix of what you're talking about. Some of your pictures are just pictures of women and their hair and others are more of the, what I would call like the Pinterest style where it's, you know, overlay text over an image. And so it seems to be a combination uh, of that and just putting stuff out there, testing it. See, you never know until you try kind of stuff. What else is driving traffic for you these days? You know, a lot of people swear off Facebook because they feel like with Facebook that you need to always buy ads to get traffic to your site. And I do have to say my Facebook page for Katie Goes Platinum doesn't do as well as I would like, partly because I neglect it. <laughs> but um, I'm very active in my Facebook group and several other gray hair Facebook groups. And uh, my gray hair Facebook group that was founded by my friend Joni, and I'm an admin on it, but she lets me post whatever I like in it. And that drives thousands of hits to my blog posts. I think because we have a very strong community and people want answers. So sometimes that's where I get ideas for my posts. And then a week later, I'll post the post in that group. And the people in that group are very loyal and they want to share this information with their friends. So I had a post the other day that I wrote. And within, I think, a day or two, I'd already had 2,000 clicks to my site and 2,000 shares on social media, actually, because it took off on Facebook and went viral. That's not easy to do on Facebook, so I'm excited about that. But I think groups are definitely the way to go. What's the name of the group? The group is called Silver Revolution, and it's grown from like 800 to like 15,000 members in just a year and a half or two. It's been crazy. So 
There it is. 80 posts a day, a very active group, 16,000 members in there. So that's one source. The SEO front, it sounds like that is something that you're working on as well. Anything specific that you've seen helpful on traditional Google traffic this year? I don't know. I've had a hard year with SEO. You know, my, like I told you at first, my traffic really took off. I mean, I felt like it did take about six months for Google to really recognize me. And then my traffic really kept going up. And I I really want my SEO traffic to be my number one traffic because the people who are searching on Google, as Debbie Gartner talks about, are the ones who are also willing to pay money and they're going to stay on the page longer and all those wonderful things that bloggers like. And uh, I cannot get my SEO traffic these days up past uh, 20% because I took some kind of hit in the May algorithm update and I still haven't gotten to the bottom of it. So in the meantime, I've been trying to do things that Debbie and other people recommend, like you said, linking out to different sites with a high DA, you know, high domain authority. I'm also doing a lot more Harrow requests, you know, uh, Harrow. Okay. Yeah. So that's been really good because the, you know, that's a way for your name to get out there with different people who don't know about you. Do you have any system to sort through all of the uh, helper reporter emails that come through? Yeah, I was getting really overwhelmed by those. And uh, I even tried farming them out to an assistant, but it's really hard to farm that out because only you really know what you want. You know what I mean? So I took it back and I, I really couldn't deal with the sheer volume. So what I do now is I have some alerts that I set up in Google in my Gmail. And so if any Harrow requests come in that mention the word hair, I search for those. You know, I, I only read those. Or I have a couple other keywords in there too. and. Now that I have Gmail filtering out the ones that have nothing, then that's made my life a little easier. Okay. Yeah. You can, because even I just subscribe to the business and finance one or something. They let you like at least narrow it down by category. And then I have a similar, it sounds like Gmail filter where it's like, if it, if it includes the term side hustle, like put a little star by it. So I make sure to open that one and see what it's about. But I probably should add some more different, different keywords in there too. Okay. That's a good tip. So the helper reporter stuff trying to do the press outreach thing, trying to revamp the posts for some Google traffic, trying to crack that code a little bit. Uh, I noticed there's a pretty decent following on YouTube as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on over there? I have not done as many videos as I would like to because I get so nervous being on camera. You know, it's like I used to be a photographer and I'm happy behind the lens. And I feel like, you know, I'm from Michigan. I speak really fast and I don't know, I get so self-conscious, but People want video and they like it. A lot of people would prefer, have told me, some, I send out a blog survey every year and there are a number of people who prefer video to reading. So I know it's important. So I've been going on there more and I'm taking a course. I joined the uh, Video Pursuit Society by Meredith Marsh. She's wonderful and she's taught me a lot about, first of all, being more confident, you know, when you're on camera, just not being so self-conscious. And she says, I think... She said that YouTube is the number two search engine behind Google. So I had an SEO audit done a couple months ago. And one thing they told me was if I'm targeting a keyword on Google, I probably also want to do a related video on YouTube. That way I might come up in the top two spots when somebody's searching. If you do a unique long tail keyword and somebody types it in in uh, Google, they'll not only see my post, but also my video. Yeah, I really like that strategy. It's something that I have intended to invest some time in this year and have done a little bit of it, but definitely want to lean into that. Cause I think that's, I mean, you've, if you've already done half the work creating the content and granted video is going to be more difficult than creating a written blog post, but at least the bones of it are there. At least the script is there almost. So I think that's a, a really cool thing to test out. 
Yeah. You know, one other thing I've been doing lately is sometimes I've decided I wanted to do more of those silver hair transition stories, but they do take a lot of time to put together. So what I've been doing instead since we've been in lockdown is I've been doing Zoom calls and recording them. I turned them into a YouTube video and then I use rev.com to transcribe it and then I create a blog post. So that way I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. Okay. Very nice. I like that strategy as well. Like, hey, if I'm already creating this content, I might as well repurpose it. Let's talk about the monetization side of things. So you mentioned that the site qualified for Mediavine early on as a display ad network. I noticed there's still display ads on the site. Is Mediavine still what you're running today? I started with Mediavine and I really love them and I think they're great, but I ended up switching over to AdThrive because I heard that it was possible to make a similar amount of money, but have fewer display ads. And I'm still testing it out to see if I feel like that's the case. But they've been very easy to work with, and I've been very happy with them. I do eventually want to move farther away from ads because I know they can impact user experience. And sometimes, you know, you'll get a complaint saying there are too many ads on your site. And of course, I don't think people realize who aren't bloggers that maybe you're spending 20 to 40 hours a week or more on your site, and it would be for free if you didn't have ads most of the time. Right, right. Here, here. I'm giving you all this content for free, but there's too many ads. Yeah. So I I did turn down my ads and I am making a little less money because of that. But in the meantime, I'm trying to develop a product or some other things I can do to make money without having to rely so heavily on ads. Sorry, developing your own paid product? Yes, I need to do that. That seems to be the way to go. That's what everybody says. My problem is my niche is a little odd in terms of a product. So I have an idea, which I can't share today. But um, Okay. Top secret. Yes, top secret. And I I just need to sit down and do it. I think it could be popular, but I think uh, making your own products is definitely the way to go. And and I I don't think I'll ever get fully rid of ads, but I'd like to definitely reduce them if possible. How do you feel? Do you have ads on your site? I haven't run ads on Side Hustle Nation. I did some kind of private sale banner ads and like a featured listing on another site that I ran. You can find data to support whatever you want. Like, oh, they make your site super slow, they impact user experience, or the complete opposite. Like, no, people expect ads. They don't seem to impact affiliate earnings at all. Like, there's all sorts of numbers to support, whatever theory you want to go uh, dig down the rabbit hole for. But um, it looks like affiliate stuff, speaking of that, is another piece of the pie here. Yeah, how could I forget about that? That's one of my big things. Like a lot of bloggers, I do a lot of uh, affiliate links to Amazon, which I have found to be very good. I'm not making the big bucks like some of my friends are, you know, I know people making seven or 8,000 or more a month with Amazon. And I think partly my problem is I'm not producing a ton of content. I really need to up my amount of content I've got going, but I am doing really well with my influencer shop on Amazon. You know, I am not making a boatload of money, but a lot of people say they haven't made hardly any money from their influencer shop, but I guess my readers are loyal and they want to buy the things I'm recommending in there. So I'm doing pretty well with that. This is a specific page on Amazon that you create that you kind of pull in your favorite products? Yes, I created a like list. So I have, uh, it's like they, they click on the Katie Goes Platinum Amazon shop and they'll see how I've set it up. I've got products to brighten your hair, um, sulfate-free conditioners. You know, I, I put products that I've not only found to be good myself, but maybe the ladies in my silver hair transition stories I've recommended. So every time I do one of those posts, I add their products to that shop. And I think that's helpful for people to find it all there. And one thing I learned was people don't want to just see the products. They want to hear a little bit about them. So every time I upload a product to that shop, 
I also add a little, maybe even just a two sentence description of why I think it's a good product. Okay. And you're linking those from inside the blog content or in, in the email list? Yes. Uh, with the Amazon shop, it's a little tricky. You're not allowed to promote it very easily uh, through email. So you can send people to your shop. You can't send them to directly to the various lists, you know, which I wish you could because that would make my life so much easier. But yeah, sending them to the shop. I can tell people about the shop on social media or an email. I just can't link directly to the various items. Yeah. Amazon is weird that way where they're like, come join our affiliate program. We are the biggest store in the world, but I don't know. You can't link from an email. There's all sorts of rules uh, and regulations around that, but that sounds like a kind of a cool resource, like a one-stop shop for all the products that have been recommended on the blog or through these transition stories. This is separate. If I hit the shop button from the the top navigation on Katie Goes Platinum, it looks like it's kind of an internal store that you have with like some silver revolution swag and stuff. Well, I guess some people make a lot of money from those types of products, the print-on-demand. But I pretty much started that shop because the ladies in my group wanted the t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that to proudly display that they're a member of the group. And I guess I could be a better businesswoman. I'm not making a a very large profit on that because, I don't know, I I probably could try harder, but I'm probably making a five or $10 a shirt or because I can't imagine asking somebody to spend $60 on a shirt. You know what I mean? So I think that's pretty typical. I think you're doing good there. That's awesome that they were so proud to be part of this community. They're like, we need swag. Yeah, they really do, which is nice. And eventually what I hope to do is to create, like I said, some of my own products, maybe eBooks or printables and put them in there as well. I just have one small one now. It's like three pages about comebacks from people give you rude comments about your gray hair. Cause unfortunately that's something we need to think about. So. Oh, okay. Gray hair comebacks, silver hair comebacks. I like it. The other thing I'm doing in terms of affiliates I have a few affiliates uh, for beauty products that have reached out to me for sponsored content. And, you know, you can make a lot more money with that kind of affiliate marketing if you know how to do it right, which I have to say, when people were approaching me at first, when I first started the blog, they'd say, you know, I'll send you some free products and then you can write about our stuff. And I didn't know enough to say that's not a good use of my time. But I learned pretty quickly from my blog coach, Tracy Phobes, that You know, it takes a lot of time and effort to write a blog post and to test the products and to photograph them and to promote them. So now I charge a premium for writing sponsored content or sponsored YouTube videos. I do take still some products that I like if I think they're a good product and they offer me an affiliate link. And sometimes those links are 15 to 20% of the sale. I have one post that's a review post and I make, you know, $1,200 a month just on that one post because of the sales to the product because people love it. So that's something I'd like to learn more about too. Wow. That's awesome. So it's like, yes, lather, rinse, repeat on content like that. If it's at a thousand bucks a month, 1200 bucks a month. Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's like, uh, especially when this first started and we were really hurting for money, I was hoping to make, I was thinking $1,500 a month, but uh, like you saw in my starter story, some months seems to be averaging around $6,000 a month, knock on wood. And uh, I've had months as high as 10 or 11,000 just from the blog. So that, you know, really helps us out after we had this few years of struggle and hardship. So it's been nice. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, that's a significant income for any sort of venture. Regarding the sponsored content, are you doing anything to seek out those relationships or has it all been inbound so far? I haven't had to seek anything out so far. It's all been uh, brands contacting me on email or through Instagram. And I'm not always great about checking my Instagram direct messages. So I've gotten better about it because oftentimes that's where people reach out to you. I'd have to say about 80% of the requests I get, I turn down because 
I'm trying to be big on only working with brands that I think seem like a good fit for my audience, for example. So I could have made a lot of money promoting <laughs> funeral planning. Oh my gosh, so morbid. You know, it's awful when you're writing on gray hair, you get a lot of uh, people reaching out to you about the funeral business, which is kind of funny. So it's like, you know, I'm not interested in selling that to my group. So I, I want to work with brands that are are working with women, like in my age range, I pretty much am targeting women 30 through 70 or higher. And also, you know, I try to work with brands that are cruelty-free or natural as much as possible. So in a way, it's nice. I'm getting, I'd say probably five or so, five to 10 brands reaching out to me every week. And it's a little overwhelming. Usually you can weed them out pretty quickly. If you mentioned that you charge for this kind of thing, I'd say half of those go away and the other half want to work with you. And so I, I took a course by Tracy Phobes all about sponsored posts and other things. And she has a calculator where you can put in your traffic and see how much your time is worth. And that has helped me a lot because, you know, especially I don't know about men, but especially among women, we tend to undervalue our time. And I'm trying to be better about that. It takes a lot of time to write this content. Are you comfortable sharing a ballpark of what a sponsored post on Katie Goes Platinum goes for these days? Oh, sure. Um, about $1,500 right now for a detailed review on the blog. That includes, you know, photographs and everything. You know, I know people make tens of thousands of dollars on Instagram. I'm not as active on Instagram, but I will, if I like the product and I think it's good and I decide to work with the company, it's a lot cheaper to do an Instagram post with me right now. I don't know. You're, you're an Instagram influencer here. 11,000 followers for Katie Goes Platinum over here. Don't sell yourself short. Oh, thank you. I need to work on that. You know, it's like you, um, I, I don't know, I'm sure with the people that you've worked with on Side Hustle, but sometimes when you've gone through a hard time in your life, it kind of knocks down your self-confidence a little and I'm trying to regain it. Is this a full-time thing for you or can you give a sense of the hours you're putting into this on a weekly basis? No, I would like to make it a full-time thing. I have a day job, which I was a little worried it won't be for longer during COVID because it's in the aerospace industry. And as you know, that's been one of the hardest hit industries since this whole thing started. But I like my job. I'm in marketing and I work 40 hours a week there. And I'd say probably 20 to 40 hours a week on the blog. So it's a lot of work. It's been less this year because since my Pinterest traffic and my SEO is good and I have a community now that I'm probably working closer to 15 to 20 hours a week on the blog right now. Definitely putting in some time to build up this business. Even though I love my job, I, it's hard to do both. And I have kids, you know, I have uh, teenagers. I would like to eventually just do the blog because I love doing it. Like all the talents that I have come together in it. You know, I, I'm, my photography, writing, I like people. I like connecting people with things that will help them. So I really wish I could do it full time. The thing that's holding me back is health insurance. You know, in our country, uh, health insurance is such a huge part of our expense. And, I, and my younger son is on the autism spectrum. So I really need to make sure that I always have good coverage. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating that that is a barrier for so many would-be entrepreneurs to say like, well, I'm almost there, except for this one last thing. So uh, I feel you on that one. That's, that's always a factor. So katiegoesplatinum.com, what's on the horizon? What's going, uh, what's going on in the next 12 months? Well, I really do need to create this product that I'm thinking about. And so that's going to be taking a lot of my time. And I also would like to write an ebook or, or actually maybe even a real book, if that's not an insulting word to use for ebooks. But um, I really want to do those two things. And I'm also thinking if I can find the time, I'd like to create some other sites because this is so much fun. You know, I really like doing it. It's just a matter of um, 
Figuring out another topic is the hard part. I really think it'd be fun to find a couple more sites to found a couple more blogs and get those going. Maybe start another community for women. Just have to figure out what. Side hustles on side hustles. I like it. This is such an interesting one because it's like, yes, this is a niche that I never considered. And maybe because, you know, my hair was gone long ago, but it's something that everybody goes through. It seems like a random niche, at least on the surface to me, but it's like actually a really broad topic. It's got something that got, it's got huge market appeal. I think there's a big upside for you in the future with this business and exciting to see what you've already built with it. So again, katiegoesplatinum.com. Katie, thanks so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. When you're first thinking about starting a side business and you're researching it and you're looking into it and trying to learn about all the things that are going into creating that business is not to feel defeated before you even start. Like when I first started looking into blogging, and I started really researching how much work goes into it. I remember crying one night to my husband and saying, there's no way I can do this and have two kids and have a full-time job. But I decided to just take it one day at a time and just try it. And it actually has worked out beautifully. So I think also when you're in your 50s, which I'm 53 now, you think like, I'm, I'm too old to start over. It's, it's, this is too much. And I think all that limiting thinking has to go away. You know, you just have to be confident and try it and just see how it goes. Because for me, it's worked out beautifully. And I'm so excited that I, I didn't let that one night of like really feeling down about it stop me from moving forward. Yeah, this is very much a real thing. And I appreciate you bringing that up. When you really start to dig in and do your due diligence and do your homework, it's really easy to feel defeated before you even start because there's so much work to do. It's like there's this huge boulder and you're going to have to push it over this mountain. And you're like, I don't even know what is over that first ridge. Like, I don't know what the next step is. And it's something that I've definitely dealt with and have legitimately been held back by in, in certain operations or in certain projects because it's like, it's too heavy for liftoff, too heavy to get off the ground. So I really like that. Don't feel defeated before you even start. Start small, take it one step at a time. You can, you can do this. Deep breath. Katie, love this conversation. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, really grateful to connect. Catch up with you soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. All right. My top three takeaways from this call with Katie. Number one is Zag. There's a little marketing book called Zag by Marty Neumeyer. That's probably worth a read here. And it's been a long time since I read it, but this conversation brought it to the front of my mind again. The book argues that top performing brands often take a counter position to what the rest of the world is doing. When everyone else zigs, zag, right? One of the examples in the book is the Mini Cooper, which was introduced at the same time where all these other car manufacturers were fighting over each other to build bigger and stronger and more massive SUVs. They said, what if instead of going big, we go small? When they zig, we zag. And I think Katie's business is a good example of that. There's probably a multi-billion dollar industry in dyeing or covering up this natural graying process and uh, all the ad campaign money that goes with that, which, as we learned, left room for Katie and several other bloggers to zag, saying, hey, we've been there, we've done that. If that's for you, great, but uh, we don't want any part of it anymore. Are you with me? Come and join us. And even better, feel empowered when you do. So... The question is for you, how can you zag in your niche? For example, I've tried to zag in the entrepreneurial interview podcast arena by not just interviewing the quote big names, but trying to source stories like Katie's that I feel are a little more relatable. So that's takeaway number one for me is to zag. Takeaway number two is to find your people. 
In Katie's case, there were already groups of women online, primarily on Facebook, it sounded like, talking about this gray hair transition, sharing their stories, celebrating each other. And while it might be easy to look at these pre-existing communities and say, ah, shoot, it's already been done, Katie said, great, these are my people. How can I best serve this community that already exists? How can I answer their questions? How can I support them? And I think you can do the same in your niche, either as a part of existing groups, existing subreddits, Slack channels, you know, whatever the kids are into these days, or by creating your own group. I found that Facebook is a really powerful discovery channel on its own, kind of a top of the funnel platform, if you will, even though I don't have much of a funnel uh, to speak of. But by that, I mean, uh, statistically, it's the fourth most popular search engine in the world, according to Search Engine Journal, Google, YouTube, and Amazon, I want to say were the top three. But if people are typing in your keywords into Facebook, are they going to find you? The pace of growth in the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group accelerated when I changed the name to include the term side hustle. Novel idea, right? It was SH Nation for the first few years. But find your people. They're out there. That is takeaway number two, because they'll be your readers, your customers, your advocates. They'll be the sources for your story. They'll be your community. Find your people. Takeaway number three is to invest in yourself. And here's the actual soundbite. We were very tight on money. And so spending any money seemed a little terrifying, but I, I kept thinking, I think this could eventually make money. And so it was worth it to me to, to put some money into it. This one stood out to me because this was definitely not me starting out. Yes, I paid for some development help when I was starting my first online business, but on the blogging podcasting front, it was years before I bought any paid products to help accelerate my learning curve. I'll figure it out myself, right? This has taken a really long time to embrace, but tapping into other people's expertise is probably the fastest way to grow. Look at what she's been able to do in just two years. And maybe the bigger issue is actually listening to their advice and implementing those strategies. It's not going to do you any good to buy a bunch of courses and then sit on them. But it sounds like Katie has done an awesome job of doing that. Hey, I invested in this. I implemented this, you know, taking action. So no matter what business you're working on, odds are somebody else has probably already figured out whatever it is you're struggling with. Find those people, consume their free stuff, invest in your business as your budget and comfort level allow. So that was takeaway number three for me. Once again, notes and links for this one, along with the full text summary with all of Katie's top tips from the call are at sidehustlenation.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.